welcome to another episode of the Recovery Guys podcast. We're listener supported, so thank you for listening. All right, welcome to episode 0001.0 of Recovery Guys podcast. Tony live from New Westminster, British Columbia, Canada. And when you say live, you mean pre-recorded? That's exactly what I mean. It's live to us here and recorded and edited to all of you listening from home, car, your cubicle, wherever you may be. So we're looking to create a platform to talk about recovery from active addiction, uh, whatever the vice might be, whether it was, you know, the more traditional ones like alcohol, crack, heroin, marijuana, all the way to uh, jet fuel huffing, midget tossing, Dorito eating, video game isolation, whatever it was, your vice and dysfunction, uh, we'd like to help you come up with some ways to deal with recovery from it, whether it be idle time, excitement, adventure seeking, or getting involved in other hobbies, which we'll touch on later. With that being said, my name is Matt and my co-host is Al. One of the ideas that kind of led to us doing this podcast was that, you know, we've both been in recovery for some time. And we notice that people struggle with various things after they're in recovery. And, and one of the topics we want to talk about, not just, um, you know, the removal of, of substance use from people's lives, but also the shenanigans they get up to when they're clean. Yeah, because there is quite a large void from being a person that was habitually using substances or using media or, or whatever type of stimulation it may have been on a regular basis for some of us on a daily basis to go from that kind of high level of activity to suddenly not having much to do can be quite a stumbling block for a lot of people that are that are new in recovery so in between you know going to recovery support meetings in a community uh you know in any sort of talk therapy with friends peer-to-peer support uh, there needs to be something else that is filling that time uh, because people in early recovery don't do too well with idle time and it can lead back to contemplating uh, returning to addiction, whether it be a, a lesser version of it through changing substances or changing vices or, or right back to you know what was what brought the person into recovery in the first place. So, you know, uh, both Matt and I have struggled with dealing with different uh, levels of uh, dissatisfaction, if you will, or complacency. So we're looking to help people figure out by having some discussion on the topic itself. Uh, you know, in the future, we're looking to have uh, guests come in. We're going to have uh, emailed commentary and questions uh, for us to read on the podcast and uh, to get feedback along the way to make it as uh, organic as possible while trying to keep the theme of recovery along the way. And with that being said, one thing I did want to comment on, now you said people in early recovery need to fill some of that idle time because there might be some pitfalls. I would argue that people in long-term recovery still struggle with that idle time. You know, I, I, I kind of watch and, and see what people do and um, there's this one pervading theme that, that I've seen pop up amongst my friends in recovery uh, in the last while, and that's Amazon. Mm. Now, I don't want to call them out by name, but, you know, the, it's uh, online shopping, right? Mm -hmm. I see package after package show up at our office, and uh, 
you know, people crowd around when it's mail time. Oh, what'd you get? And they start opening the packages and getting in there. And it's amazing. It's a daily ritual. It's a daily ritual. People know it's uh, it's it's mail o'clock, right? Yeah, and today being Canada Day, that uh, feeling of of anticipation leading towards that one to two thirty mailing window, which is uh, pinned down to be the time slot of mail time. Uh, was uh, met with uh, an anticlimactic humdraw buzz of nothingness because it is a holiday here in Canada. It's July 1st, uh, the nation's birthday. And uh, unfortunately, Canada Post does not work on Canada Day. So there was nothing in from Amazon, which... Uh, the only thing that got delivered was colossal disappointment. Yeah, disappointment and uh, extension to anticipating to hopefully tomorrow some random doodad or widget will show up in the mail. So why do I bring this up, right? Why do I bring up the Amazon packages? And I think it's because of the frequency, right? It's it's happens every single day. I see something new show up that someone has ordered. I see people, uh, you know, ordering stuff on their cell phones and cruising around on online shopping sites. And I think the the theme that's emerging is that when I get something new or when I'm hunting for a deal, I feel good, right? Yes, yeah, the thrill of the chase. It's, uh, and you know, surprisingly, I've had a person who I've uh, helped directly in their early recovery to, reco uh, to from their addiction, whose specific vice, what brought them to the place of hopelessness and desperation was specifically online shopping. Um, he didn't necessarily spend thousands of dollars, but he spent countless hours neglecting his family, his child, his parents, his job, his sleep, his mental health, and his own nutrition by surfing different websites looking for the right pen or the right CDU or the right attachment to his iPhone or whatever it may have been. And, uh, you know, to see that at a lesser scale, but with more people involved. Uh, definitely draws concern for sure and and i see it in all my friends and i see it in myself like i think that uh nowadays you know advertisers and online marketers and and they've gotten it down to a science right i mean you can hardly listen to a podcast without being pitched a mattress which is a great segue to our no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it, it's, I think it's a problem because people are starting to rely on obtaining new stuff, this, this uh, new acquisitions, in order to prop up their feelings, right? And a lot of it is just justified with convenience and the hastiness in which the delivery happens. So I would say I have cut down my in-person physical shopping down at least a third, maybe half by ordering things that I would regularly buy at a big box store or a variety store on Amazon, like things I use for breakfast smoothies, things I use as like for stationary, um, other food items like non-perishable items, uh, clothing articles. And I know that they, in, they fold in the cost of shipping into the price, which is sometimes a little bit higher than it would be at a retail store. However, the, the convenience of having it delivered to my desk and also the added value of the click and purchase, the anticipation and the arrival and the unveiling through the box opening 
is definitely part of what's being purchased. Now, there's something in the addiction counseling field uh, called the abuse potential of, of different substances, right? And that might be kind of old school nomenclature, but the idea goes like this. If, uh, if a substance is uh, socially acceptable and has an increased abuse potential, if it's cheap, right? So if it's, uh, you know, accessible for people, then it's got an increased abuse potential. Um, you know, if, if it's on offer, if it's available to someone, if it's convenient, uh, and then, you know, it progressively gets up to, is it physically addicting? Do people get physically dependent on it? Those kind of things. But if you just look at, say, the first four of those, uh, it, the abuse potential of, of online shopping, it's pervasive, it's everywhere, ubiquitous. It's, uh, you know, it, it's the easiest, cheapest drug there is. <laughs> you know what I mean? People can get a little lift just by buying something on Amazon, right? Just by poking around and finding a good deal or finding some new trinket that they need. And it's pretty concerning because, I mean, a lot of people, I feel like they rely on social media for that little dopamine boost, right? That little squirt of novelty that makes their day a little better, right? But it's gotten to a point where they do that 50, 60, 500 times a day. And it becomes so ingrained and habitual that it's part of their life and they need it to feel normal. And that's the concerning part. That's why I'm bringing this up. Yeah, the normalization of something that travels through the stages of being something that you were once curious about, observing other people enjoying it and doing it, to maybe experimenting with it, you know, like, oh, yeah, I could use a new, you know, workbench for the studio, then to where it's recreational, where you're ordering things once in a while, or in the case of substances, using maybe on weekends. And then when it becomes problematic and eventually chronic is where it's more concerning, right? And uh, I have seen it be problematic in the sense that there's people that are even enticing their friends to use their account to buy things. So they, they get a sense of high relief and satisfaction from making purchases for a third party because the thrill is the searching, the throwing items in a shopping cart, the checking out. And there's this indirect uh, reward that comes with buying something for somebody else. I know I've been guilty of it and I know I've, I've taken part in allowing other folk to use their, um, you know, online subscriptions to different shopping platforms for buying me things. Because the another th common thing in addiction, and this is part of what we're, we want to be talking about, is that a lot of the character traits that a person has in active addiction the more uh, impacting ones of such as drug addiction or any sort of big things that bring people into a recovery type of lifestyle, some of those traits do resurface in recovery. The obsessiveness, the justification, the dismissiveness, the, um, you know, being deceitful, manipulative, like those sort of things come out in different ways while a person's in recovery. And, you know, We've heard so many people have a conversation defended with the term bro, but you don't understand. Anytime we hear that phrase specifically, bro, comma, but you don't understand, exclamation mark, it means that the person may be acting out in a trait that resembles regular traditional addiction, if you will. I know for myself, like, I mean, you talk about how those traits from addiction pop up in recovery. Like, I'm, I'm the kind of guy who obsesses about details 
I like collecting stuff. I like understanding, you know, the, the things in, in history and their place and time and why they were important and assigning some kind of semantic value to it. I really like that kind of stuff. And I've done it a lot in recovery uh, to an extreme. Like, I mean, I got into collecting cameras. I ended up with probably over 40 cameras at one point in time. More than I could ever possibly display. More than I could ever possibly use. More than I could enjoy. How many and, do you have now? Uh, probably like 16. That's a lot. <laughs> I have the one on my phone. Right. But but it's something that the the in addiction where it was like that need to have more. That need to... Um, you know, constantly be in pursuit of something, carried that over into recovery. That constant pursuit, trying to find, um, you know, antique cameras that would just be, it would be the perfect one for my collection. Why would it be perfect? Who knows? Because it's the, it. because it's the one. It's not mine yet. Exactly, right? So I, I fully agree with you that that those addictive traits definitely carry over into recovery. What are some other, like camera collecting seems reasonable because it is highly socially acceptable. It is trendy in the last, I don't know, five, 10 years specifically with all these pseudo professional photographers just because they have access to uh, an Instagram account and anything they deem picture worthy. You, you know, you have in, everyone adding to their bio, uh, you know, underneath student, stay-at-home mom, uh, photographer. Professional photographer. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's funny because some people that have trained and, and have successful uh, portfolios and, and do it as, as, as part of their artistic passion would probably take a lot of offense to a girl that just has massive following based on her scantily clad uploads that suddenly calls herself a photographer based on the picture of leaf with the droplet of rain coming off of it. I feel like we're about to transition into everything wrong with social media here. Yeah. Let's save that for episode 12. Right. <laughs> yeah. We'll help you with that. We know a lot of folk get elevated from likes and comments and additional friend or follow requests. So we will save that, but that, that's another method or, or, or strategy that people come up with for filling a void for curbing that that sense of being dissatisfied or that sense that what we currently have in front of us whether it be relationships uh, career uh, or even material things all needing an immediate upgrade an immediate uh, replacement because that's with what Matt was just talking about with the camera hobby how anything that can be seen as like, hey, like, that's pretty cool. You're getting into photography. Like, hey, like, maybe I'll call you when I get married or when my parents retire. Next thing you know, he needs a 41st camera. <laughs> so how do you get from healthy possible hobby or activity to obsession? It's pretty hard to discern the two things and where the line is drawn. But, you know, us being both involved in a pretty active peer-based recovery community we we know that it, it's easy to see when things are getting a little carried away when you get that tilted head smile from a friend looking at you with their shoulders up in the air being like come on what did you do now and you know we've both had that look 
and we both received that look. So, you know, we, we, we know what it's about, like, let, just to rattle off some of the things that we've been obsessed about in the last couple of years for me personally, I know I've become an enthusiast of archery, uh, DJing, <laughs> whittling, uh, both soft and hardwoods, um, beading, macrame, uh, tattooing, painting, painting in all different mediums, graffiti, culture, and vandal art, uh, as well as uh, music production. My, so my sponsee, one of my sponsees, coined a term. He may not be the first one, but he said something that really stuck with me when I was going over step work with him. He coined a term and he called himself chronically unsatisfied. Chronically unsatisfied. And I thought to myself, I thought to myself, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean in his context? And he's describing stuff like, you know, I'm not happy at my job with how much I make per hour, right? Like, I want to make more money. I'm not satisfied with that. Not satisfied with, you know, my how much homework I get at school. I'm not satisfied. And he's like a younger guy, right? He's like, I'm not satisfied with how much free time I have. These kind of things. He's like, whenever I feel like I've gotten a break or whenever I feel like something has changed or I got a little bit of a raise, it washes off in like a month or two, chronically unsatisfied again, right? And that, that stuck with me because I started thinking to myself, like, man, I hop from hobby to hobby, right? I get into these different interests. And it's like, why do they die? Why do they die off? Why do I have to transition to a new one to get that that fix? That's a question that would solve a lot of people's unrest. And I think part of it is that the object that's being engaged with is is not deterministic. It doesn't have a power of its own to uh, take over the person. Like we're not a host to this. Um, you know, living entity. I think part of it is us as people who, for whatever reason, have this feeling of being unsettled or, or dissatisfied, get more pleasure and stimulation from the developmental stage of something than we do from actually, you know, settling in with it. So with uh, like when I got into uh, investing, uh, stock investing, I learned the history of uh, economics. I learned the history of uh, public trading on markets, um, you know, and and with that comes tons of uh, video suggestions, advertising through social media, like, you know, how that that system predicts and, and pins down what, what I'm looking for. And once I learned it and had some trial and error with it, yeah, I still have some activity in it. However, it's not as satisfying as a new endeavor with uh, a bunch of unknown aspects to it, with a whole history to learn about it, with you know un unknown uh, elements that that are going to be exciting and, and uh, for for me to explore. And and that's what I've recently experienced with tattooing: the history, the tradition, the 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 technology development, the, you know, what's become obsolete, what is the cutting edge trend, what is cool, what is not cool. And I'm sure by this time next year, hopefully not, but, uh, you know, if I was able to follow a pattern of the last three, four years, 
I'll be on to something else and I won't care about tattoos anymore, which is kind of sad and funny at the same time. Chances are that's probably correct. I'm just imagining <laughs> your business card. Alex, investment banker slash vandal artist slash tattooist. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I get it though. I get it because my, my repertoire for wacky hobbies and obsessions is pretty similar. I mean, they're, they're varied and different, but like the switching from hobby to hobby it it's it's followed me you know for the last 20 years i've been doing it and so why is this a bad thing is it a bad thing to constantly chase down new interests to constantly seek out new acquisitions well when we compare it to things in quote-unquote active addiction you would measure it based on whether it's becoming problematic and unmanageable so if something is taking away from, say, food off your kid's plate or from other financial responsibilities, if it's taking away from other social responsibilities, say, relationships, uh, work, school, whatever it may be, um, you know, with usually people that get into, for example, online gaming, it can be a nice, you know, escape from the everyday life. It can be, you know, soothing to engage with people in an online virtual world. However, if people start, you know, plowing through their sick days and inventing bereavement days for their, their granny who's died three times just so they can keep leveling up at whatever game they're playing, that's highly problematic. However, for people that are in addiction recovery, they're able to minimize and justify two terms that we use regularly saying, hey, bro, at least I'm not smoking crack. What's the big deal? It's just whittling. It's just archery. It's just camera collecting. And they'll find different ways to make it not as bad as what they were doing before. Which makes a lot of people kind of shrug their shoulders and, and agree with them for the time being until it becomes problematic again. I think for me, the, the problematic piece is the trying to change how I feel with stuff outside of myself, right? That's like, deep. Like I feel like if I was, if I was good with everything in my life, if I was... Um, you know, not chronically unsatisfied, if I was satisfied and content, then I feel like I wouldn't have to seek things outside of myself to change how I felt, right? And the pattern for me, at least for like the last 20 years, is it, it seems like regardless of how content I am with things in my life, that at some level, there's still a hunt going on. I'm still seeking out things to change how I feel. And I think that you know, because I've seen this kind of stuff happen in our group of friends with, with people in long-term recovery, ordering a bunch of stuff on Amazon, constantly chasing that next fix, that, you know, it, it's a bit worrisome, right? I feel like uh, a lot of people in this day and age, especially people in recovery, are, are probably out there, maybe not, you know, trying to um, get get drugs and get high and that kind of stuff, but maybe they're just trying to change how they feel. And it, it it's it's a problem because if we become if we become reliant on that, how do we go back? How do we go back? Like if I need all this stuff to change how I feel, to validate me, to make me better, to make me feel content, how do I go back to just being good without this stuff? With a lot of hard work and sacrifice, I would, <laughs> I would start with that. So what do I got to do? Do I got to become? Do I got to become a monk? Do is that is that it? Yeah, what do they call them, folk? A ascetic, oh, ascetic monks or something like that? The ones that you're, get high on depriving themselves? You're, you're punching above my intellect here. 
Yeah, I don't know. I just remember when I studied uh, theology in, in university, there was... <laughs> that, was that was another interest of yours, theology? Yeah. I know yeah. I actually got really obsessed with it and learning different cultures, uh, religions, and how they folded into their uh, society and, and diplomacy and politics and stuff like that and economics and how there was a relationship in that sense. But no, I, I don't think it's about outright deprivation or about... Uh, soothing oneself with uh, externalities either there should be a middle ground and like you're saying if you know being satisfied with what we have in life I mean with with just plainly being satisfied with what we have in life it would be hard to grow and evolve as a human being or, or with career aspirations so there has to be some movement forward but at the same time uh, we shouldn't be looking to get carried away or looking to be soothed by mail packages or tattoo machines or cameras or or new recurve archery sets like it shouldn't come down to that and again like i mentioned earlier for our recovery context specifically um, we're reliant on a peer community here that um, helps us uh, be guided and, and and be vigilant towards when we're being led down a path or leading ourselves down a path, you know, being the people responsible for our decision making, that is going to become uh, problematic or, or something that we're going to build a, a dependence on. Because I think you touched on that a moment ago is having a dependence on something uh, it is, is too much like active addiction. And even though it's just uh, an Amazon Prime account or, uh, you know, a series on Netflix or, or any sort of, um, you know, trinket or hobby, it still can be seen as a dependence. And if you were just to interrupt that suddenly, how would a person react? Like if I had to wake up tomorrow and not have any of these cool things that I, that I find satisfying, uh, how would I react? And part of building awareness to not have that dependence and to not normalize this high level of consumption is through self-restraint. Um, part of what helps me is um, whether you call it positive self-talk or mantras or prayer or whatnot, uh, is just reminding myself in, in the morning, for example, the last few days I've been saying, like, just for today, I'll be happy with what I have. Instead of saying, just for today, you will not buy anything, which is my initial uh, sentence I thought of. I but, wanted to put a positive spin on it. Just, just for like, today, I'll be happy. That's like just not using dope. Yeah, right? exactly. Just and recovery is not about stop, like not using. It's about finding a way to live clean so i like that just for today i'm going to be satisfied with what i have that's a that's a solid mantra how's it been going i'll still end up uh somewhere in the limbo between a shopping cart and the checkout section at sometimes and it's almost like i come to with my button finger hovering over the the complete process and then i like give my head a shake and remember the commitment i made to myself because it, it, as silly as it may sound, to stop that kind of like steamrolled habit it is pretty challenging sometimes. Like um, I have everything I need and then some, like especially if I compare myself to, uh, you know, peripheral family in Mexico or watching videos about the, the state of the Middle East or, or, you know, the Palestinian like war zones and all these places, like knowing that 70% of the seven plus billion people on earth live on you know a lot less money than i make in an hour let alone a day 
And then here I am, like, clamoring at the next Prime Days. <laughs> it, it, it's, you know, if you put it in that context, it's pretty ridiculous. However... When something's got two-day shipping instead of same-day shipping? How, yeah. how much BS is that? Well, that's the Stone Ages is what that is. Right? Think about moving somewhere. How many Amazon de- delivery days is it away? You know? If I move far away enough, are they going to have high-speed internet? When we, how far from the Apple store is it? Like, those kind of thoughts, right? Yeah, it's first world problems, right? And uh, it can be compared to anything. And, and we're not looking to um, justify things or to minimize different uh, world issues. We just want to bring light to what can be a, a day-to-day problem for a person in recovery. And we know that our vantage point with the people that we have in our lives here is not an isolated circumstance. It, it does certainly go on all across recovery communities uh, in in North America and probably in other parts of the world with uh, access to high-speed shipping and uh, online shopping capacities. I think think part of the solution, like what you're describing, is trying to be satisfied with what you've got. But I think it requires a bit of abstinence too. Like I think there's some virtue in, in stopping the behavior. Right. There's some virtue in discontinuing, like telling yourself, I'm not going to order anything online for a period of time. Pick, you know, a month, two months, six months, whatever it is. I know I'm looking at your eyes like, whoa, whoa, slow down there, tiger. But I think there's some virtue in that. Like there's some virtue in self-restraint. You know, there's some some virtue in building yourself up to that point where where you can be satisfied with what you have and who you are. Right. And I think. There are very select times in my life when I was completely satisfied. I was completely satisfied with who I was and what I had. And those times remind me to keep seeking that out, to keep trying to find satisfaction in a healthy way, in a way that's, that's, that's whole and, and lasting and complete. That's, that's the day's challenge, right? And, um, each person waking up in recovery has to ask themselves, like, am I ready to meet the day's challenge or am I ready to stay the same and potentially regress? And, and for myself today, uh, I know it's only, uh, you know, just after five o'clock Pacific standard time. Uh, I have not ordered anything on the internet today. Uh, am I waiting for a package this week? Um, you know what? I'm very, uh, concerned to say that I don't know <laughs> actually no yeah something should be coming down the pipeline soon but uh, I, I agree with you abstinence would be a way to deal with that because interruption of a habit is what gives way to reflection and uh, eventually contemplation and eventually some action towards changing that behavior well, slowing it down is just a sense of like harm reduction it takes some time too, right? Like if you want to, if you want to change a habit, you've got to sustain the behavior for a period of time. So if the, the change is, you know, discontinuing buying stuff online, that it takes probably about six months of sustaining that behavior in order for it to become more habituated. And not only that, but not repeating the old behavior it takes time. And that is the challenge to overcome. It's not just the day's challenge. It's, it's the next six months to a year kind of thing, right? If it's something you genuinely want to change long term. I don't know if I'm ready to commit to that yet. No, because <laughs> as soon as you said that, I was thinking, calculating with a virtual calendar in my mind and thinking about uh, uh, 
you know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Boxing Day, and all these other days that, you know, tickle at susceptible, easily tempted folk like myself. And I know we haven't even gotten on to the other subjects like DoorDash and Skip the Dishes. And oh, yeah. I don't know, for you Americans out there, what do you use? Postmates and, and Uber Eats. Uber Eats and things like that. I, I, I can't even fathom it. I saw it the other day at my building. There was a DoorDash guy delivering Starbucks, right? Little Starbucks breakfast, coffees, whatever. It's seven in the morning. People are getting other people to go get them breakfast and paying for it with their cell phone. We live in the future. We're all screwed. Yeah, it reminds me of that uh, move, that Disney movie about the little robot and how everyone's just like lethargic beings on top of these little hover things because of how sedentary we become by automites out of it. Yeah, you having a stroke over there? Automizing. Automization. Automization. Is that the, is that the made up word we're going with? Yeah. Okay. Uh, just a disclosure. I used to be an ESL student. Okay. In case I ever stumble over my words again. So uh, yeah, like I, I definitely don't want to end up like that. I do want to be keep active in, in whichever ways I can. But convenience, what's going to be more important for that day, right? So there, there's the day's challenge, the month's challenge, the next six months, whatever you guys want to do with it. Just our thoughts, though, right? Our thoughts are that this is a concerning pattern of behavior. Maybe people out there want to address it. Maybe they don't. Maybe there's someone out there that really loves living that way, and they're feeling great about it. And if that's how you feel, let us know. Send us an email. Shoot us a phone call. We'll leave contact info in the description. And I'm really curious to see where you guys stand on this issue. Because if it's happening in our friend group, I feel like it's probably happening elsewhere too. Most definitely. Yeah. And if you guys have any questions or comments, we're really interested in hearing what they are. If you guys have any uh, ideas for future episodes or if you've got a burning question that you you know might want help with or a different perspective on, you're more than welcome to send it along. We'll try and address it in uh, following episodes. Thanks for listening along with us, guys. And, and as I mentioned in the intro, we are listener supported. So please visit our Patreon and, uh, you know, drop a like, tell your friends, share the link, whatever you can do to help. It's much appreciated. I hope you have a fantastic week. We love you when you love us. <laughs> Signing up.